and taking within the heart. And taking within the heart. Muni Prataha. Muni Prataha. Just take the vow of the great sages. Just take the vow of the great sages. The vow of silence. The vow of silence. Samahita. Samahita. Always fixed in the mind. Always fixed in mind. Via. Via. With intelligence. Intelligence. Sarve. Sarve. All of you. All of you. Etat. Etat. This. This. Abhyasata. Abhyasata. Practice. Practice. Adritaha. Adritaha. With great reverence. With great reverence. Translation purpose by his divine grace, you see what he done to Swami My dear princess, in the form of a prayer, I have delineated the yoga system of chanting the Holy Name. All of you should take this important stotra within your minds and promise to keep it in order to become great sages. By acting silently like a great sage and by giving intention and reverence, you should practice these methods. Perfect. In the Hatha Yoga system, one has to practice bodily exercises, jnana, dharana, sana, meditation, etc. One also has to sit in one place, in a particular posture, and concentrate his gaze on the feet of the nose. There are so many rules and regulations for the Hatha Yoga system that it is practically impossible to perform in, it, in this age. The alternative system of Bhakti Yoga is very easy, not only in this age, but in others as well. For this yoga system was advocated long ago by Lord Shiva when he advised the princes, the sons of Maharaj, the Bhakti Yoga system is not newly introduced, for even 5,000 years ago, Lord Krishna recommended this Bhakti Yoga as the topmost yoga. As Krishna tells Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita 6.47, Yoginam api sarvesham bhaktatenam taratmana sattavan bhajate yomam of all yogis, he who always abides in me with great faith, worshipping me in transcendental loving service, is most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. The topmost yogi is he who constantly thinks of Krishna within himself and chants the glories of the Lord. In other words, the system of Bhakti Yoga has been existing from time immemorial and is now continuing to in this Krishna consciousness movement. The word Munivrataha is significant in this regard because those who are interested in advancing in spiritual life must be silent. Silence means talking only of Krishna Katha. This is the silence of Maharaja Parisha. Savaimana Krishna Padaravindayur Pacham Sivai Kuntha Gunam Varnane 
King Ambarish always fixed his mind on the lotus feet of the Lord and talked of him only. Bhagavatam 9, 4, 19. We should also take this opportunity in life to become as good as a great saint simply by not talking unnecessarily with unwanted persons. We should either talk of Krishna or chant Hare Krishna undebatingly. This is called Munivata. The intelligence must be very sharp, samahitadhiya, and should always be acting in Krishna consciousness. The words etat, abhya, sad, tadrita indicate that if one takes these instructions from a spiritual master with great reverence, Adrita and practices them accordingly, he will find this bhakti yoga process to be very, very easy. Yoga Adishamopa Sadhya Adarayantamunivrata Samahita Adhya Sattva Etat Abhya Sattva My dear princess, in the form of a prayer, I have delineated the yoga system of chanting the holy name. All of you should take this important structure within your minds and promise to keep it in order to become great sages. By acting silently like a great sage and by giving attention and reverence, you should practice this method. So this is a very interesting verse, construction of Lord Shiva, and um, <clears throat> it has many important elements, and probably the best way to address this subject is the same way as Shavarova and previous Acharyas addressed it by focusing on each element of this verse. So, first element is Yoga Adesha. Adesha means instructions, so instructions in yoga. And this specific yoga, as it is obvious from the content of this chapter, Lord Shiva is giving instruction in his Bhakti Yoga because what he recommends, as we found out from the previous verse, is to always meditate on the Lord and always chant his glory. And so we can understand that these are the elements of Bhakti Yoga because Bhakti Yoga is consisting of nine elements. Shavanam Kirtanam Vishnam Smaranam Paradisevanam Mandanam Archanam Dhananam Dasyam Sakyanam Atma Ahedanam And so here Lord Shiva is instructing Prachetas to follow Bhakti Yoga because Bhakti Yoga is the topmost yoga system and the most practical and most powerful yoga system. And uh, it's very interesting 
if you look at the results of the latest modern research in the science of psychology, the most powerful methods can be found in Bhakti Yoga. For example, and it's very interesting that uh, the elements of Bhakti Yoga are also used in practically all the traditions of the world. Um, one element I found, which is yoga posture. We don't do much yoga. Bhakti Yoga is not so much of a physical yoga, but we do have few yoga asanas we perform every day. Right. For example, one of them is Panchanga Asana, which is for Panchanga Namaskar, right? That bowing down with five limbs on the floor, two legs, two hands, and a head. And very interestingly, if you look at a yoga posture which is very well known in the modern world because you know not many people put with Sanskrit names so they gave it a, an easy name of child's pose but actually the original name of this asana is Shashanka asana because the body is uh, resembling the half moon right on the floor like that, with the back bent like this. And uh, I read one account from one very famous yoga master who said that even though this is very simple, but this is mega powerful yoga posture because he said in his youth, he was having serious problem with rage, with anger fits. Right? He would very easily become angry and uh, anger would come very strongly. And so he started practicing yoga and of course even in yoga you have the guru-disciple relations, right? Even yoga teacher has to instruct disciples very strongly sometimes, right? To do something disciples want, to, do, to not do something disciples like doing, and do something they don't like doing, right? And so that yoga teacher gave him some instruction which he didn't like, and he became so angry at his teacher that he ran home and he took rifle <laughs> and he ran back and pointed the rifle at the teacher being ready to shoot him and teacher looked at him calmly and he said okay I can see you have serious problems with anger <laughs> don't worry I will teach you one yoga posture and this yoga posture will completely 
solve all your anger problems for good. And then he said, this is Shashanka Asana. So you do this asana every day, you will forget about all your anger problems. And it's very interesting that uh, he gave an explanation how it works physically, on a physical body, because the changes in moods um, are connected to the function of adrenaline, adrenaline glands, right? And so, if you have too much adrenaline in your blood, that means two things, either anger or fear. Sometimes they call it fight or flight response or freeze, right? Free F. So when people have too much adrenaline in their blood, they might even want to fight or take a flight or freeze out of fear, right? <clears throat> so that's too much adrenaline. Lack of adrenaline leads to depression. That's why if someone is depressed, it is recommended to do some physical activity, the depression will go away. <laughs> because it's just, you know, chemical reactions within the body. It's so stupid. We are engaged in this bag of bones and we're so dependent on chemical reactions within it. And so what this Shashankasana is doing it, well, massages effectively your adrenaline glands which are situated in here, in the abdomen area. And when the adrenaline glands functioning properly, you don't have excess or lack of adrenaline in your blood, so your mood will be equal. You can actually afford equilibrium of consciousness which is very important for advancement in Krishna consciousness. And so, we can understand that even though we don't have too many asanas in Bhakti Yoga, but the ones we have are so powerful that they give more benefit than all the other asanas. And so that's why it is very important to practice bhakti yoga properly. And another one, that one really made me laugh when I read it. That um, I looked at the what science recommends for gaining confidence, right? And confidence is very important because without confidence you cannot do anything, right? As Srila Prabhupada joked one time, that um, if you have confidence, people will follow you, whatever you do. And it's very important for devotees to have influence on other people, because if you want to, if you want people to appreciate Krishna consciousness and follow Krishna consciousness, you need confidence, right? And Prabhupada gave this example from uh, Charlie Chaplin comedy movies. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Prabhupada was very fond of those in his youth. 
And uh, so he said, Charlie Chaplin was somewhere at the ball dance, and somehow he ripped his uh, suit he was wearing with long tail suit, and uh, it was ripped pretty badly, you know, up to the middle of the spine. So his short was visible. But then he said he was not embarrassed about it trying to hide it, and he ran in the middle of the ball hall and started dancing very confidently. And the, you know, tails of his suit were flying in the air like that. And all the other men, they looked at him, appreciating his confidence, and they were thinking, wow, this must be new fashion. <laughs> and they started ripping their suits and dancing in the same way. So, and Prabhupada gave the example, even if you do something stupid, but if you do it in a very confident way, then people will follow you. What to speak of Krishna consciousness or bhakti yoga, so that's why it is very important for us to be confident. New and I looked at, you know, what are the elements, according to modern science, which are enhancing confidence in people? and you will never believe it. They recommend for confidence, you do daily rituals. Whatever rituals you have, you just do them daily, that will increase your confidence. Another thing for confidence was to have some charm in your life. Because if you have charm, that really increases your confidence. I have so many charms. Charming forms of the Lord. And then one other thing for confidence was to sing and dance every day. <laughs> and the last one is the best. They recommend, especially, you know, people are struggling with confidence when they have to do some public speaking. Speaking in front of many other people somehow, you know, that makes many people nervous. What will they think about me? What will they say about me, etc. And they recommend for confidence that before you do that, you just stand up straight and you put your hands in the air in a V-shape <laughs> and hold them like that for a while and that will make you very confident. <laughs> So that's very interesting to see that the topmost results of this scientific research is showing how powerful bhakti yoga is. And this is, I mean, there were many reasons why Shiva Prabhupada was saying that Krishna consciousness is not sentimental, it's scientific. Right. And so it's very interesting to see how deeply scientific Krishna consciousness is. And this is also one of the reasons Srila Prabhupada said that Krishna consciousness is the best solution for all the problems of the world. Do you think people have problems with anger? Yes. Do you think people in this world have problems with lack of confidence, 
fear, so many things. And so it's amazing how Krishna consciousness or bhakti yoga is offering very effective solutions for pretty much everything. <coughs> and if we want to have those solutions, we can understand it is important to practice bhakti yoga properly. If we don't practice it properly, if we neglect proper folding, even we will not be benefiting much from the practice of bhakti yoga. So serious following gives you results. Serious results. And if you get serious results, your faith in the process increases and then you will be enthusiastic to teach other people. So that's yoga adeshaan, instructions on yoga, which is bhakti yoga. Upasadya, so translates in synonyms as constantly reading. And that's very interesting. Prabhupada was insisting that devotees should constantly read his books. Because <laughs> his books are giving instructions on Bhakti Yoga. And, you know, our materialistic mind is always questioning this, that I have read this already. Why should I go back again and read the same thing? Logically, it seems to uh, it seems something that it is something strange, but again, scientific research says that whatever information we perceive through our senses, for example, eyes, we retain only two percent of the hundred percent information. What is happening, and interestingly enough, what is happening with the other 98% of the information, it is deleted. Our mind is deleting 98% of the information. And it's also distorting and generalizing. Deleting, distorting, and generalizing. This is what's happening. So we can actually perceive properly only 2% of the information. And so, basically speaking, if you have read Prabhupada books once, you understood only 2%. <laughs> and it's been experience of many, many devotees. They say it's amazing. I read the same page of the same Prabhupada's book and now my understanding is totally different. I re- I'm realizing something I never realized before. I'm reading something I never, as if I never read it, read it before. Anyone have this experience? You can see it's across the border. Everyone has this experience. That's why it is recommended, what Shiva says, constantly reading those instructions. And next one is Dharayantaha. Dharayantaha means, as Prabhupada translates, taking within the heart. 
of course, Dharayan is one of the elements in Hatha Yoga, because Hatha Yoga, I mean, it's not just Hatha Yoga, these are general principles of Yoga, Ashtanga Yoga. Eight elements of Ashtanga Yoga are Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana, and Samadhi. Everyone knows Samadhi. (laughs) Work now Samadhi later. (laughs) After you leave your body out because of too much work, they will put you in Samadhi. It's a joke. <laughs> We're not just talking about external samadhi. <laughs> We're talking about real samadhi. But, uh, yeah, dharana is one of the elements in Ashtanga Yoga. And dharana literally means concentration. Dhara means to hold, like, uh, this is one of the names of the earth planet because earth is holding everything and everyone on itself. So Dhara means the whole soul. Dharana is ability to concentrate, to hold your attention. Abrofa translates that taking within the heart. Because you can only concentrate, you can only hold your attention properly if it is emotionally, again using scientific language, if you are anchoring emotionally. So emotional anchoring is very important. How many of you had this, I mean, how many of you actually realizing this, that whatever you remember is always connected with some emotions? Yeah? If something is not connected with some emotion, whether positive or negative, you will not be able to remember it at all. So that's why ability to concentrate is very much connected to the heart, because heart is where all the emotions come from. And that's why Bhakti Yoga is yoga of the heart. It is loving devotional service of the Supreme Lord. So all the positive emotions are practiced within Bhakti Yoga. And Bhakti Yoga is the yoga of positive emotions. And that's why all the negativity, all the negative emotions are um, rejected in the practice of Bhakti. As Prabhupada says, devotees are never morose. <laughs> They're always happy in Krishna consciousness and uh, they are never morose. And one devotee said, So, Prabhupada, what if someone is practicing Krishna consciousness and still morose? <laughs> Prabhupada said, Such a person is not a devotee. <laughs> or if it is a devotee, it is Maya. <laughs> Being morose in Krishna consciousness means Maya. Yeah, because Bhakti Yoga is only connected to positive emotions.
And if you have positive emotions, it's very easy to remember. Also negative emotions, of course. Whatever negative experiences we had, we also remember them. <coughs> okay. um, next word is Muni Rada. Muni, of course, means sage, and Rada means bow. And uh, Shri Prabhupada explains which, which specific Rata, which specific vow it is described in here. Just take the vow of the great sages, the vow of silence. And so silence is very interesting. Because um, if you look at the lists, there are actually number of places in Prabhupada's books where the lists are given of the qualities of the devotee. For example, there are 26 qualities listed in Chaitanya Charitamrita, most famous list, I suppose, in relation to the devotees. But this is not the only list. Then Bhagavad Gita, chapter 12, is also giving the list of the qualities of a devotee who is very dear to Krishna. And there are about it's really hard to calculate because some of the qualities Krishna repeats twice. But there are about 30, 29, 30 qualities. And both lists have Mauni, that devotee is silent. <coughs> and Prabhupada speaks about it in Krishna uh, book, the chapter, the description of autumn. And he says, great sages are sometimes speaking and sometimes they are silent. And of course, we know that great sages are speaking because, or devotees, because they want everyone to become Krishna conscious. But then, why are they silent? And one devotee was asking, and Prabhupada said a very interesting thing. His response was, because devotee is not obliged to speak. That's a very interesting answer. Devotee is not obliged, that's why he devotee keeps silent. That means, if someone provokes us to speak, we don't have to speak. And, um, explains very interesting thing here in the purpose that um, we should either talk of Krishna or chant Hare Krishna and none of that uh, can't, can't find it now but uh, I shall Prabhupada speak something like devotee um, is not speaking, addressing some undeserving people, something like that, if anyone can find it in a perfect. Five lines from the bottom of the page, you should even talk with Krishna or chant. No, something to the effect that we should not speaking to we should not be speaking to undeserving people. Something like that, Shilpa Prabhupada says. 
Oh yes, we should also take this opportunity in life to become as good as a great saint simply by not talking unnecessarily with unwanted persons. Not undeserving, but unwanted. Interesting. <laughs> that un if you see unwanted person, you should not talk to that person. And what does it mean? Who can be defined as unwanted? Faithless. Huh? Faithless. Faithless people, yes. Exactly. It's connected to the nine pens of the holy name. What is the nine pens of the holy name? To instruct materialistic people, people who don't have faith in Krishna consciousness. Because you'll be just wasting your bullets, right? <laughs> you will never be able to achieve any good result by talking to such people because they are offensive. Their mentality is offensive. <clears throat> and unless you are very expert, Prabhupada was very expert. Mm -hmm. He could uh, subdue even offensive people. He could, you know, change the minds of even offensive people. <clears throat> because this is, and this is what uh, Lord Shiva is instructing, is standard instructions for spiritual advancement. And uh, one instruction, and that ninth offense is very prominent, that if you come across someone who is offensive, you should just ignore that person. Offensive people has to be have to be ignored. Why? Eleventh chapter, eleventh canto of Srimad Bhagavatam explains uh, the reason why. Because of course Prabhupada says that many times. But then Acharyas are elaborating why? Because if you talk to them, as Janaki Pandit says, if you give a full good instructions. Instead of taking, instead of appreciating those instructions, what will happen to the fool? He will rather become angry. So if you talk, if you continue instructing unwanted people, offensive people, they will rather become angry and uh, <clears throat> continue committing offenses and continue degrading. So. Acharyas are explaining to prevent these people from further degrading themselves. You should just ignore them. Leave them alone. This is the instruction for demonic people because offensive mentality is demonic mentality. <coughs> and so if someone is offensive, someone is demonic, just leave them alone. Let them live the way they want. Don't push them into making, committing further offenses and degrading even more. Be kind upon them. <laughs> and so don't provoke them like snakes. You know, just leave them alone. You don't, you know, go on crusade to kill all the snakes. But you don't, uh, you know, provoke the snakes. Just leave them alone. So the same instruction is applicable to <coughs> envious people or demonic people, offensive people. And uh, that's why devotee is silent. 
But if someone is very powerful and very expert like Shiloh Prabhupada, he could uh, convert even completely offensive people, change their minds. Like there was one instance when Shiloh Prabhupada was faced, well, when he was asked by one reporter about some very touchy issue. You know, sometimes these reporters, they want opinions of some, you know, famous people on some, you know, kind of touchy issues. And, you know, the idea is that whatever this famous person says, you can connect it with that issue and make big deal out of it, right? And in the process, kind of... Um, what they call it, morally assassinate the great personality, which is kind of sports in Kali Yuga, very popular thing. Whoever is famous, let's put some dirt on that person and become famous in this way. <laughs> that this is such a great personality, everyone respects, but I, I can challenge that great personality. Right? And so... And uh, Prabhupada immediately realized, of course, what was the purpose of this reporter asking this question? What do you think about it? And Prabhupada responded in a very smart way. His response was, do you want to hear what you like to hear, or would you like to hear the truth? (laughs) And of course... The reporter said, of course, I would like to hear the truth and nothing but the truth. (laughs) And Prabhupada said, okay, the truth is that you are not the body and Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And the purpose of our life is to develop loving relations loving devotional service to Krishna. And so he preached to him for next half an hour. And because that reporter requested the truth, he was writing it down very nicely. And he published a very nice and very positive article about Krishna consciousness. <laughs> so we can see that, you know, powerful devotee like Srila Prabhupada can convert even the mind of someone who is very materialistic and very demonic on the spot. But if we don't have those powers, like Shiva Prabhupada, it's best to just ignore, just leave these people alone. And uh, if they want to argue, we should not be getting into the arguments. Actually, Shiva Prabhupada speaks about um, this point in chapter 10, verse 32 of Bhagavad Gita. He says, Bada Prabhupada, I mean Krishna says uh, in this verse 10, 32, Bada Prabhupada, Aham, among the logicians, I am the conclusive truth. So conclusive truth is um, Bada. And so, 
then the purport explains different types of logic. So he says, among logicians, there are different kinds of argument. Supporting one's argument with evidence that also supports the opposite side is called jalpa. Merely trying to defeat one's opponent is called bitanda. And I think bitanda is very popular in Kali Yuga, right? Just defeating people not for any practical purpose, just to satisfy false evil, right? That's the only purpose of defeating someone. But the actual conclusion is called Vada. This conclusive proof is a presentation of Krishna. And actually Prabhupada speaks about it more in other places in his books. He says that the desire to argue for the sake of argument is also prajalpa. Mm-hmm. It's completely useless. And it's very interesting that the power of the words can be very great. You know, with few words, you can actually change people's consciousness. And as a result, you can totally change their life for better. How many of you like to have this kind of power in your words? So then it is very important to understand how do we have so much power in your words. And that is to actually value your words. If you value your words, then other people will also value your words. And how do you value your words? Well, one thing, whatever you say, you have to do if you say and don't do, that means you don't value your word. And that means other people will not value your word also and they will not value you. So that, that is one way to value your word. If you are not sure 108% that you can deliver on your promise, don't say. And if you said... You better die than break your word. So that's really important. And the other way to value your word is not to say anything without thinking very carefully first. So this is the way of the sage. First, think very carefully. And then say, many people, I mean, in conditioned life, you know, conditioned man, first says, then thinks, (laughs) right? (laughs) Then I say the right right thing. (laughs) But because men are prone to say something stupid, they tend to keep quiet, right? And conditioned women's um, tendency is to say and think at the same time, right? Women tend to think out loud. <laughs> That's why it's very confusing for men sometimes, right? Why, why do they speak their minds? 
because men are not doing that. What will they do? So it's very confusing. But the tendency of the sage is to think first and then say. And so if you value your words in this way, other people will also value your words. And whatever you say, that will enter into their hearts and will stay with them for life. I have personal experience. Uh, my first temple president, he was, yeah, he already left his body, but he was very um, contemplative, <coughs> very deep devotee. And most of the time, you know, it's like you could hardly hear him speak anything. He was either chanting, and he was chanting loads of rounds, definitely more than 64. Because all the time you would see him chanting, and he was either chanting or keeping quiet. Whatever he was doing, he was silent. And he was speaking very rarely. But if he would say something, that was like a nuclear blast. And one, one time I got it. You know, I was very uh, fond of Prajalpa speaking anything and everything. And he looked at me and he said, can you do me a favor? Mm -hmm. I said, yes. He said, can you either, if you have nothing valuable to say, can you either keep quiet or chant Hare Krishna? <laughs> That was 30 years ago. I still remember that instruction. And even though it is stated so many times in Prabhupada's books, the same thing, right? But when it came from his mouth, because he was actually practicing it himself, that was it. You know, that kind of burnt, burnt it down in my heart, you know, this tendency. So that's the power of the word. It says that word is mightier than this word. And so if we want to have real power in our words, it's very important to practice what Lord Shiva recommended. Anyway, I actually knew that this is this verse is really deep and we wouldn't be able to cover everything. Uh, so we just covered half of it and uh, probably we should stop and ask if there are any questions or comments, suggestions or complaints. One comment. <coughs> When you are talking about uh, adrenaline situation in the body, <coughs> the adrenaline has, at that time they get very angry, those people, and they get level hypertension. And such people have a tendency of getting high blood pressure and heart problems too. Yeah. So adrenaline situation is even a terrible thing. Yeah, we could actually offer very powerful solutions to the whole planet, solving all these problems.
if we make bhakti yoga practice easily available for everyone. So I think most of our efforts should go into that. How to help people to have access to bhakti yoga, easy access to bhakti yoga, and how to popularize bhakti yoga as perfect solution to practically speaking in the problem. Yes. As you said that we should have confidence, then how can we build that for confidence or for confidence? Should I speak more on confidence? Or what is the question again? That uh, you said that uh, we should have you said that we should have confidence. Uh, then how can we build that confidence? Oh, how to, to build confidence? Um, well, this is second element recommended by Rupa Goswami in Upadeshamrita. There, there, there is very famous verse which says that there are six elements which help us to develop our bhakti, which help us to advance in bhakti yoga. Very famous verse, I'm sure uh, that many devotees know it by heart. Utsaha nishaya dharyat tat tat karma pravartanat sangajyaga satovrite sampir bhakti prasidati. So the first one is enthusiasm, and second one is confidence, and third one is patience, etc. And uh, my conclusion is that if you want, you can only develop confidence if you are enthusiastic. So enthusiasm is for, first and foremost thing. <clears throat> and uh, this conclusion is based on Shema Bhaktivinottakur's explanation on this verse, uh, which is found in his book Bhakti Loka, very powerful book. But even not the first commentaries on Upadeshamrita. And he explains why enthusiasm is first and foremost item which helps us to advance in bhakti. Because he says enthusiasm is a power which destroys all anarthas, all obstacles on the path of bhakti. If we are enthusiastic, then all obstacles can be easily destroyed. But if we are not enthusiastic, we can get stuck. And naturally, if we are struggling uh, with our anarthas, that brings our confidence level down. Right? We start doubting in the process of devotional service in our own ability to practice. That's why my conviction is that if you want confidence, you need to be enthusiastic. Yes? Thank you. Very good question. Very deep question. From young sage. Like you said, we should ignore the people who are faithless. So after you ignore them, and after some time, do their heart change or no? <laughs> <laughs> if we ignore them, will their heart change? Um, well, 
That's very, that's, this question is even deeper. <laughs> we, have, we have two advanced sages in this audience, young sages. Um, yeah, the heart of the people can only change if they have association <laughs> of the devotees, but it is true that if devotees will ignore them, how can they change? And that's why um, it can only be changed by the association of very saintly and very powerful devotees who can not just ignore materialistic people, but who can influence them and help them to change their heart. So we should become like that. Yes, answering your question. Thank you. Yes. It's easy for practicing devotees if, uh, to notice who is faithless, who is not. But as practicing devotees, sometimes like if other devotees are acting diplomatically, they are nice in front of you but not divine. And sometimes their dealings are uh, like if you, if they come to you, they have some purpose. What's in like what advantage I will get that uh, get from that devotee? In that mood, they will come to you. Like how to deal with such devotees? Because we are also not pure, we are practicing devotees. Yeah. Well, if someone is engaged in diplomatic behavior, <clears throat> that's called hypocrisy. <laughs> and it is not a very good quality in Krishna consciousness. And that is obviously based on envy. And you know, because if someone is not if someone is not envious of me, even if I do something wrong, these people will try to help me. <coughs> but if that's not happening, then that means it's envy. And uh, Srila Prabhupada said that envious people are not real devotees. And it's better to ignore them. So if someone is envious, then you should ignore these people. How do you know the faithless? How do we know that someone is faithless? Well, faith means, uh, according to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shada, Shabde Vishwasa, Kahe, Suridhanishchaya, Krishna Bhakti, Kaile. Sarva Karma Kritahaya. So Lord Chaitanya says that faith is means conviction in one thing that by practicing Krishna consciousness I will achieve all results I want to achieve in life. So um, if someone is serious devotee, and serious devotee does not mean that one's face is always serious. <laughs> like that. No. A serious devotee means he can joke, he can smile, he can laugh. That's not a problem. But serious devotee means that one's practice, one, one is very serious about his practice of Krishna consciousness. <coughs> and so, 
if someone is non serious, that means that these people are lacking faith. And uh, the more they are lacking faith in the practice of bhakti, the more, uh, the less we should associate with them, unless we are uh, expert enough to help them, to change them. You know, it's like, if someone is droning, that's a very good practical example. Unless you are expert uh, rescuer, that you should not try to help that person who is drowning because in the water, right? You are swimming and that person is swimming and, it, and the person is drowning. Unless you know how to do it, if you try to help that person, you know what's happening if someone is drowning? They're panicking. Yeah, and they grab onto you and they prevent you from swimming and uh, they make you both sink and drown. So that's why if you're not expert uh, and if you try to help someone who is in uh, that stage of consciousness, materialistic stage of consciousness, you can become affected as well. But if you're expert, you can you can do it. You can help them. You can actually rescue them as well. Yes. Good. Well, all the young sages have questions. How to understand? Some. How to understand that who which devotee is serious and which is not? So by practice, if someone is uh, very serious about sadhana, for example, and service, right? so that devotee is serious. And if someone is very loose in sadhana and service, that, that devotee is not very serious. Yes? Yeah. Um, I really like Martha's question. So can we just uh, explore it a little bit further? Uh, because there are some gray areas in this. Because um, in, in the congregation, we don't have all black and white. They're all grays. And if we start avoiding each other, then we don't have the association. Um, so in that situation, see, all of us are practicing. We all have, um, have issues. So in this situation, um, if we all have to move forward, um, can we like start avoiding people? I mean, I would, I would say like all the devotees. At least we should say that these were all trying, so they are all in shades of grey. So I was just thinking, um, like the other time when uh, the Maharaj was speaking, he said he's, he was talking about um, some people who are coming after a program, and he said they came with such enthusiasm. The program is all finished. So what are they coming for? They are coming for Prasadha. And so Maharaj, he took that, if I have just their enthusiasm in all devotional service, so he's able to take the good aspect from that and ignore that. So can you give us some other techniques like that, so that we can associate with people, with people who are maybe diplomatic, so that we can all move forward. So that we are not affected by the enviousness, but we are able to move forward. Because we are all in that same field. Yeah. You can't avoid. 
Yeah, of course, avoiding doesn't mean you run away when you see devotee who speaks badly about you or you, what do you call, call it, uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, ignore that person fully. Because if someone is trying to practice Krishna consciousness, then at least they have chances to rectify it. But you should be avoiding opening your heart to such people. And you should be avoiding, you should be um, careful about, you know, building very uh, confidential relationships. So, Prabhupada said, with cheaters you can cheat. <laughs> so, if someone is diplomatic, then just be diplomatic with them, because this is how they are, what to do. Don't open your heart to such devotees, because if you open your heart, they can betray you easily. Right? So, just be careful. And it's always good to be careful because material world means everyone is conditioned so right? unless someone is coming from the Kavoka Vrindavan or something, which is very rare. So ninety-nine percent we should be careful. <coughs> Vigilant, as Prabhupada says. Yes. It is Krishna's comment. He was telling how to see serious devotees too. Yeah, sometimes it can be hard because people can be doing all the sadhana, everything, and they can have some envy, anger, jealousy, all those things too. But some people may do very little sadhana, but they can be very pure too. So it can be really difficult to be serious and who is not serious. So we don't, I don't know how to. Well, if someone is pure, why would not they follow sadhana? And why would not they do service? So, obviously, if someone is not interested in sadhana and service, then there must be some problems. Because, yeah, uh, purity means you're attracted by something pure, right? And so, Bhakti Yoga is the most pure form of spiritual practice. And if someone is not attracted by Bhakti Yoga practice, then that means there are some problems. Not sadhana, they are not doing it. Like Anuman also doing sadhana, and also doing sadhana, but it's different volume. Anuman can do so big, big things. And the ant can, the spirit can be little, little things, but they are both doing shadhana equally, I can't say issue. Yeah, uh, and it's easy to see that if someone is, you know, having some difficulties maybe, but uh, doing his best, or someone is not. Yeah, we have to use our intelligence. <coughs> uh? 
Yeah. Yeah. So we, have to, we have to use our intelligence. <coughs> and yeah, it's not very hard to understand if someone is serious or not. Yes? How we can help our patients in uh, reacting with something like uh, we have some situation and we drop and we react all of a sudden? How can we control that uh, emotion coming from our hearts? Yeah, that lack of patience comes from attachment. And uh, attachment means uh, one famous American rock singer was saying, I want it all and I want it now. <laughs> That's like very typical mentality of someone who is attached, right? I want it all and I want it now. I cannot wait. <clears throat> and so, but Krishna consciousness means not what I want. Uh, Krishna consciousness means I'm focused on what Krishna wants. And I'm focused on uh, my plan. I'm not focused on my plan, I'm focused on Krishna's plan. And if I understand, okay, Krishna is the controller. So Krishna has his side. And uh, it is something we've recommended uh, last year. But uh, I'm not sure how many of you have been at our course. And even if you've been, how much you remember. That the easiest way, in general, to deal with any conflicting situation is very simple, that how am I benefiting from that conflict, from this problem? So, you know, because if you focus on benefits from problems, then problems cease to exist. Things. 
and yeah, it's coming from those pure Christians who practice Christianity, Christ consciousness, Christianity properly, right? I'm yeah. just coming here, I was just thinking about Yeah. Yes. This is what Serenity Prayer says. Part of it, it says that, "Oh my Lord, please uh, give me strength to solve the problems uh, I can solve. Give me humility to accept those problems I cannot solve." and give me intelligence to distinguish one from the second, from the other. Because God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. So yeah, sometimes we can just pray for intelligence. Pray for wisdom, because uh, this is what Krishna is promising to those who are um, serving Him with love, right? Bhagavad Gita 10, 10. He says, if someone serves me with love, I give them intelligence, how to come to me. So sometimes this is what we need. When you are saying something like, don't say anything. I just remembered a um, story. Kilpawa was invited in a conference in India, I think, maybe Bombay. I don't remember exact place. So there were a lot of Mayavadis and other people. Kilpawa was sitting there quietly. And when the turn was there, about, was about to come to speak. So he just walked up. And uh, he, I think Gurudas was there, following Prabhupada. So he asked, Prabhupada, now it's our turn to speak. So please, you stay back. So Prabhupada, no, you speak. So Prabhupada made him speak to my people. And then he said, because they were saying everything is one. Monism, all the things. So uh, Gurudas said, is Rasgunda is saying as the stool on the street, and people were very annoyed and they reported to the Prabhupada and Prabhupada said that that's the right answer. <laughs> but my disciples sometimes speak very hard words, so don't take it, but I agree what he said. His <laughs> pure love for Krishna is so much that he can't tolerate any nonsense. So he just walked. Alright. So, thank you. Thank you.